our job is to give humans, give us all as a community, that extra 10% of emotional depth that can only be expressed through art and music. And, you know, I feel like that's our main purpose, to, to create this full experience, full emotional spectrum of living. And I'm not stopping now. That's German-born violinist Stephen Meckel, who also serves as a concerto soloist, concert master, and has engaged audiences around the world. He also works as the Associate Professor of Violin at Northern Arizona University and works on expanding communities through classical music, which highlights members of the LGBTQ IA community. He joined me for a chat about his career and a really fun upcoming performance he has in Phoenix this November. I'm Melissa Green, Welcome to a new episode of Heart of the Arts. So I heard about you from uh, people in our community. I joked that, you know, you're a, a celebrity here, but you kind of are. People are really <laughs> impressed with you as a teacher and your career, and you're a German-born violinist, correct? Correct. Can you talk a little bit about your upbringing and some of your biggest influences? Sure. I was born in Germany. My parents, both musicians, my mother's American, my father is German. Uh, they met over there in an orchestra, concertmaster and principal violist. You know, when both my sister and I were both born in Germany, and then we moved over to the States. So we grew up in Florida, in Tallahassee. My father taught at uh, Florida State. You know, we so so I I grew up taking I took lessons from my from my mother and my my dad took lessons. Uh, sorry, my sister took lessons from my dad, and uh, so we lived in Florida. We lived in Illinois briefly, and when I was nine years old, I became a member of the Vienna Boys Choir. Oh wow! So I they were singing in Chicago, and I had been taking voice lessons, and I'd been singing a lot, and I had quite the quite the voice. And my parents took me up. My mom took me up there, and. I sang for them in Chicago when they were on tour, and the conductor said, come to Vienna. And that's what we did. So I moved to Vienna, and I think it was really one of the most influential things to me, being in Vienna as, as this kid, right? Um, and, and like soaking in the opera, singing the operas. Music is everywhere in Vienna. It's, 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 I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it really is. And I mean, to walk those streets and, and to, to have that kind of vocal training and musical training at that young age just influenced my violin playing so much. I bet. So that, that's, I, that's, yeah, that was, that was a really exciting time. Also really stressful. I was there for about two years. And then at, in the meanwhile, my parents and sister had moved back to Europe. They moved to Southern Germany. And so I did all my, uh, high school work and my 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 bachelor's degree in Germany and Austria. Wow. Okay. So when you were in Vienna, was your family with you? No. Wow. Yeah, they were still in America, and it's a boarding school. So, um, you know, and I didn't speak German, so I had to learn German. And were you and scared? I was completely petrified. It was. I I remember my mom gave me the Lord of the Rings. The, the trilogy, and I just read it over and over and over again, just because I had so much time. I couldn't go to school. I couldn't, and I was just sitting there, and it was my escape. So I, sure, it was, but it was so exciting, too. I loved it so much, so. Wow. Uh, side note, just because I have family who went to boarding schools, little older generation than you, but did you have long moments of silence and prayer and stuff like that it wasn't religious okay. so i would say no but we were we were we were disciplined in latin oh 
what, what what's an example of being disciplined there? Uh, well, I mean, you silencio. It was like that was the word that meant you know cut off anything you're doing, and it was you broke that, and you were in so much trouble. And um, so I was. It was very strict. I mean, and we were we were quite the showcase. So you know, the, if you remember the Vienna Boys Choir had their uniforms and their. You know, we were never seen in public without them. Wow. So even when we went to go sing an opera, we had to have our uniforms on to move from the bus to the opera house. Uh, and it was very, very formal. Yeah. I would say very formal. How do you think people would handle that in today's world? What did you get from it that you're like, okay, I have, I have this bit of wisdom and knowledge with me? Or is there any of that? That's a really good question. I think it's a bit extreme to put kids um, in that kind of scenario. Yeah. I benefited from it, but that's because I'm also, I'm very, org I like the kind of, I'm very, like, I like to be very disciplined. I, I wanted to say I am very disciplined, but there's a lot that I'm not disciplined about. But I did <laughs> like the structure. I'm very comfortable in structure. I don't know if that's because I was there mm -hmm. um, or if it was, if it was something, but I felt very, to me, it felt very, it felt very normal and i i don't think that that kind of upbringing is necessary but that's just an opinion and i don't have kids of my own so maybe that's outside of my you know yeah. so well same i mean i teach too but like for instance the phoenix boys choir they they teach you know social graces and good manners which i think is awesome i love well, you know ironically uh, Georg Stangelberger, who was the director there from anywhere, he was a he was a conductor in Vienna when I was there. Okay, I was wondering so, that because yeah. with the Phoenix Boys, well, and the Vienna Boys Choir, he's like a Grammy award-winning conductor. Yes, and yes. and just such a a staple for you know yeah, the sure. the ballet here. Cool. That's amazing. I love that backstory. So, how did you become the concertmaster with? Phoenix Symphony, you also are with the Santa Fe Opera. So I, my first concertmaster job, I remember I was in Salzburg studying. So I studied in Salzburg. I was getting so tired of Salzburg though. Of course, I'd been there for four and a half years. I was whining to my father. I said, I don't want to be here anymore. And he said, well, then get a job. And so I did. I took an audition in, an, in a small opera company in Germany in Ulm and I became associate concertmaster. I was 19 years old. Wow. And, so sorry to interrupt. Did you do high school too? Because I know you were talking about high school, college. Um, I did them all parallel. So I did a kind of a, I did sort of a, a European version of a, of a, of, um, of a high school, if you will, while I was going to conservatory in Salzburg. So I started my, I got my bachelor's when I was, um, I guess, 18. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of went from there. And your family was in a different city. Yes. So it's kind of like Mozart. That story just yeah. reminds me of Mozart freelancing and being like, yeah, okay, don't want to be here. Hey, dad. Yep, kind of. Yeah, and my studies in Salzburg were like that too. I mean, that's when I did, I went to a boarding school there as well because I was so young. And that was in a convent. So that was, I lived in a Benedictine monastery for three years. Wow. So in the heart of Salzburg. So that was, that was also interesting. And, and also, I guess, a big influence on my life in terms of music and history and all this stuff that I was just not aware of. So, and, and I used to play, you know, when I had my apartment in Salzburg, which was down the street from where Mozart was born, mm -hmm. it was over a cafe. It was like one room and, you know, it was just tiny, but I, I, and I used to just play for my lunches in cafes. So I had a, 
I did have a very, very old fashioned education and just an old fashioned existence, right? It does sound just like that. That's so fun. Back to what you were talking about, how you joined the opera. That's where I cut you off. So, so I became, so when I, I came back to the States in 2020 and I okay. went to, IU, to Indiana University to study with Miriam Freed. So I was in Indiana for two years. And uh, during that time, I decided to quit my job in Germany and move to the States, relocate to the States. And I won the job in Tucson. So Tucson Symphony was my first job in the United States. Uh, and I, I, I was there for eight years. And during that time, I was doing a lot of solo playing and I was doing a lot of stuff. And, and I, the Phoenix Symphony was hiring for a concertmaster. Mm -hmm. And they kind of got wind of that. And they invited me to, to audition here in the Valley. And I did. That was in two, I auditioned in 2007. And they offered me the job that year. And so I started in Phoenix in 2008. The previous concertmaster here was also concertmaster in the Santa Fe Opera, um, and when he when he left that position, I, I that was also open. And of course, at that point, I had a reputation, you know, that would that that also I just I I sent in my stuff and I was invited to audition. That was in two thousand nineteen. So, and I was there for four years. So I became concert, they offered me the job that year. I became, I was concertmaster for, for that, for, through the pandemic and, and the last couple of years. And then I stopped that. So that's kind of my concertmaster story. So I'm like, I've been concertmaster. That was kind of like the, the cutoff point after I left the Phoenix Symphony uh, to teach. Um, it was just time to move on it. I realized I was like, I've been playing concertmaster for 25 years. And I think that's wow. enough. And I like it really, I'm, I'm in my mid forties, you know, midlife crisis sort of thing. And I was like, I want to do something else. Uh, and so I, I, I quit Phoenix, um, and, and then, and then, yeah, Santa Fe, that was just over. And so yeah. here we go. <laughs> so talk about what you're doing via now. I was offered the violin professorship at NAU in, uh, uh what I, this is my third year. I can't even believe that it's been third, like it's been that long already. Wow. Okay. Um, so what year is it? So I guess 20, 2021. <laughs> yeah, so it was 2021 when I started in AU. And of course, I was petrified. I mean, American academia is is a complete other ballgame of figuring out the systems. Of course, I had taught. I had yeah. a private studio for years in Phoenix, and I taught at the U of A down in Tucson for a couple of years, too. So I was a, somewhat familiar. But, you know, I just I have always loved Flagstaff. I've always loved the mountains. I had a relationship with that campus for over 20 years. So I, when I was in Tucson, I already was going up there. Friends of mine had been hired there. I got to play with the school orchestra. I did master classes. So I, um, when, when, when that happened, I, I had originally just taken a year's leave of absence from the symphony. So I, I went up there and I started to teach. I have a full studio. Um, I'm trying to really create a really cool program up there for more for undergrad students that, that aren't maybe quite ready to hit the big schools out of high school and yeah. create a really cool environment. It's a really great school for people who who, who want a, a place where they feel they can be themselves. It's a very, I don't know if you've been up to that campus yet. It's a very, yeah. very, uh, it's a beautiful place. And there's a lot of diversity and it's really, it's a fun, it's a fun place to work okay. for sure. Yeah, I really want to go up there because I came, I'm from Nebraska Midwest, but I was at American Public Media in the Twin Cities, um, just a national company. 
And then I came here and I had coworkers from Arizona. Everyone loves Flagstaff. You hear a lot of different things, but a lot of people are like, no, that's the best place. It's, I'm, I'm so lucky. It's, it's, you know, I'm still balancing, I'm still bouncing back and forth between the Valley. My partner lives here. I, you know, so I'm just like, you know, I'm still not quite completely moved away from Phoenix because I, I do still love having the advantage of being in a, in a metropolitan city like Phoenix. Yes. Um, at times, uh, so, you know, so that's, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a new adventure. Yeah. It, well, it's also like ideal to have a city location and then, you know, more of a, just off the beaten path. Especially in the heat. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm looking for a second location right now too. So, um, I know that you have recordings and I actually originally reached out to you because of, well, one of your students who we honored on our kids program I have, Classical Next, and they just raved about you. And I had followed you on Instagram, which will tell people where, where to follow you at the end of the show. But I was like, oh gosh, this is really cool. You did something, you did something for Pride Month. Can you recap real quickly about that? Cause that kind of piqued my interest. Sure. So, you know, when it when it comes to like creating safe spaces for everyone, there's a lot of work to be done. And and my idea was there are so many, there are so many fears in our society, and people sometimes don't necessarily realize that they don't have to be afraid of things. Uh, and I'm talking about people who don't necessarily have any LGBTQIA people in their lives. I wanted to kind of showcase some of the composers that were, that identified within the community or who were finding out really people like Chopin, people like that we all listen to, that the letters weren't to a woman, the letters weren't indeed to a man, the letter, and, it, and it doesn't matter. It, right. It, but it, it doesn't matter in terms of what, what, how much of a part of our life it was. It matters in representation. It matters for those kids who maybe come from a place that, where they couldn't necessarily express who they are. And all of a sudden they're sitting in an auditorium and they're like, wait a minute, there's all these, these great composers that I'm going to school to study that were like me. And I thought that was really important. I think it's important that we find a, a community where we feel safe and where people can express themselves. And so this concert, turned into quite this thing. And this year it's, it's actually even bigger because the, the whole campus is getting involved. So cool. um, we, I, I invited some speakers. I invited a living composer whose piece we played, who identifies within the community to come and speak about indigenous, uh, indigenous instruments. That was his forte. I invited a tribal leader from the Hopi nation to come and do an opening ceremony, ceremony which was incredible. And he's coming back. He was so gracious and just amazing because uh, again, the hope we have a completely, also a very refreshing approach to diversity and to being different. And it was, I was so moving to hear that, that we have so much to learn from our indigenous brothers and sisters. And so I, that was incredible. And then I had a student who happened to be writing her thesis or her project on how institutions can better serve the trans community. And I was like, well, would you like to present it? Because she needed a, she needed a public forum to present. And I was like, well, would you mind? doing this in the concert. So it turned out to be a really, a really cool thing. It went a little bit long. <laughs> so my, my, the major yeah. feedback I got was like, wow, it was really long. But I, you know, I said at the end, I said, I apologize. Cause I said, you know, it's hard to do an inclusive concert and exclude people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so this year I'm having to put my foot down a little bit and be a little bit more 
um, pragmatic about that. But it's, um, it's, it was a really cool event, and I think a lot of people were excited about it, and a lot of people really want to participate again this year, which, which, which means, and it's really not about, not about showcasing students or outing people or any of this stuff. It really is about showing students who, you know, there, there's allies. There's, we're not, no one is in this life alone, and if we start, like, just softening our, for a reason, protection, but if we start softening that just a little bit, there's such an incredibly cool world out there that we can all experience together. Yeah, uh, people definitely have more of a wall up. And interesting thing, I interviewed Hilary Hahn recently about her recent album. And she's like, I felt like coming out and performing and recording after the pandemic, I like got rid of this huge wall and kind of started to put myself out there and perform in a bigger way. Did you notice anything like that? Well, I would agree with her. Yeah. <laughs> like if you watch, I mean, there's a video circulating of people playing just the opening of the Brahms Violin Concerto. Okay. And there's a there's a Hillary Hahn one from I, I'm not exactly sure the year. I don't want her to get mad at me if she but it was before it was definitely before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then there's one after. Okay. I'm like, yep, girl, you you got it. Like really? she like, oh I my feel like her playing is like completely not completely changed. I mean, she was always just an incredible violinist, but I think that her like entire demeanor has has like she said opened up. So I would agree with that. And I think after the pandemic, for what I learned from the pandemic was, wow, you really there's no time not to show up, right? You yeah, who you are, you you have to just you you there's there's some acceptance there's growth there's all these things that we are always constantly doing but living for some sort of idea or goal or because we were told we have to do x or this is how you you do music this is how you make money this is how you it doesn't matter yeah it certainly doesn't and especially not in the art we our job is to give humans give us all as a community that that extra 10 percent of emotional depth that can only be expressed through art and music, you know, I feel like that's our main purpose to, to create this full, full experience, full emotional spectrum of, of living. And um, I'm, I'm not stopping now. Kind of like piggybacking on what you said, creating musicians who are artistic, individuals to put it so plainly instead of like you said i'm sure there are a lot of students who come in and feel like they need to fit in a box correct I mean, classical music correct oh my god we're great with boxes <laughs> great with boxes. Right? i think i think what i what i've learned too you know with my students in neu is that the main goal is to give as many people as you can your music and mm -hmm. let them become as good as they will I have never seen someone say, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have studied music. Like, right? I, I just, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have given up the clarinet, or I wish I would have stuck with piano, or I wish I would have, you know, I, I, I wasted my time. I, I, I thought I loved, I don't know, law, and now I'm, a, now I'm a social worker. But I've seen people change their careers, but I've never seen anybody say, gosh, I, that was just such a waste of time. Yeah. You know, I think it's always something that you'll carry with you that, that is something bigger than us and it's and it's it's it sort of opens up your perspectives yeah yeah i'm just jogging my memory of conversations that i've had with just everyone who's like this is, is what we're doing is going to make everyone feel more connected to each other and that's, that's the word that well and today people feel like where do i quote 
belong. And one complaint we get is featuring ensembles, lots of choral ensembles during Pride Month, you know? And I like the way you said that it's about representation because you can mention Chopin, you can mention Leonard Bernstein, you can mention the background lives of whoever, and it's, it's everywhere. But it's really about that representation. What kind of feedback have you gotten, especially after your um, performance this past summer? I mean, in, in San Francisco, when I was in, uh, yeah. you know, for me, that was a, that was mind blowing and, and certainly eye opening. And that was a spectacular event in terms of, in terms of feeling quite like, you know, feeling like a part of a majority for a minute. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to me how much I realize that I'm not. And, and you know, as a gay man, what was so fascinating was that I was like, this is how other people feel mm-hmm. in a group. And I was, I was like, okay, so it is different. And I was like, and it helped me, it helped me kind of do a little bit of work, even further work in what's going on with racism right now, what's going on with fears, with, uh, with um, you know, Islamophobia, with all these religious, all these things, it, it helped me, it helped me delve into even more, more work like that, where it was like, wh- why is this happening? And I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, I couldn't be happier that I got a chance to do that. It, it's simply about expression and it's simply about people feeling heard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just important to listen for a while. And yeah, I really hope that we can, as a society grow to be more just simply more understanding and, and a little bit less aggressive towards yeah. towards different um but you know there's there's a lot of people showing up there's a lot of people doing the work across the board and i think it's fantastic and yeah. i don't mean to i don't ever want to make people uncomfortable mm-hmm that's a responsibility i have when i'm showcasing whatever i'm showcasing and yeah. and uh I just want to like open that door for thought. That's yes. that's my main goal. And and the feedback I got is of course is great because people are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that, or I didn't know this, or that that was astounding. And plus, it's music. It's just beautiful music. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. I it wasn't some sort of political statement where I was asking everybody to do anything. I was just yeah. simply presenting. And I think that that's that helps me if there's something that I don't understand in in society or that I'm maybe afraid of. I can look if the more I learn about it, see it the less I'm afraid. That's just the way we work because we yeah. we weren't all necessarily raised in an environment where everything was uh, represented. That's yeah. that's really it. And I think that's where we can, as a, as, a, as a big community, as a big city, we can always keep working and keep helping. Absolutely. That's amazing. I know I kind of like got excited and I saw what all this stuff that you've been doing when I was looking at your Instagram page. So I was like, we just need to get his voice on the airwaves so people can, I mean, my whole thing is just to have this classical community, fine arts, just connect more with each other. And um, so what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? Okay, well, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a really interesting concerto coming up in October up at NEU. I'm playing Kurt Bile Violin Concerto, which is for violin and wind ensemble. So it's going to be very interesting. It's the first time I'm going to be working with a wind orchestra, a symphonic wind orchestra. And uh, it's a super sort of very modern piece written in the 20s in Germany. It's very kind of, it's, it's very, very modern, very modern, actually very modern. Now it's more modern than some of the contemporary things being written today. Yeah. But um, I, you know, that's, that I'm, that's really cool. And actually, I'm going to be down in the valley. Are so you? I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be playing in the pit at Damage, Ain't Too Proud. 
the Temptations were. So I'm really looking forward. So I, and this is speaking of getting out of my comfort zone. So not only, not only am I, am I like listening to Temptations constantly to get the feel for the music and the feel for the, that, that whole scenario, but I'm also like, I also have to listen to Oh, seriously. <laughs> well, I was going to say, system. you got to, I'm, I'm just picturing getting the groove. Oh, my God. Drawing, oh, snapping. But that's outside of my comfort zone, but I'm like, okay, I'm really, I'm really stoked about this. You know, that, that show's coming into town the week before Thanksgiving, I think, is when, when this Oh, is how fun. Okay. Yeah, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, I'm a little bit nervous about it because I can't dance. <laughs> Come on. Like, it's, like, I have to say, it's like, I did not get that deep. But anyway, so that's that I'm really looking forward to. I, I'm doing uh, my first entire uh, this March a lot in September. This orchestra of musicians that just kind of ask to do what I want to do, which is yes, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping my old fashioned idea of like, <laughs> just inspire people, make, let them play, let them play. <laughs> yeah, it makes you so unique because like your story sounds just so classic. And then you've got all of this other brand new stuff. And again, it's just kind of like you said, just to open up everyone's minds. I'm not trying to make people uncomfortable or shove anything on them. I'm just trying to represent and say, listen to this. Yeah. Well, and, and really, I mean, to me, to me, it's about there. There were so many people my age in the San Francisco Orchestra in, in the in the prior orchestra this summer that that we were all just sort of like in tears afterwards. Oh my gosh, if, if we had had this when we were younger, if we had had the feeling that it was going to be okay, or that. I don't know, I just, I, and that's what I'm trying to create for first. Even just, even if it's one student who like all of a sudden can look around and feel like, oh my gosh, I can be okay. Or I've got places people I can talk to. There's nothing wrong with Yeah, and, and, and just, just like, okay, gosh, like everything, if everything goes bad, I can, I can knock up Professor Michael Gore and trying to help with and for myself as well frankly yeah you know? oh yeah i mean i had adhd as a kid and i always got i couldn't you know i wanted to fidget all the time and move around if i would have had someone who understood that i mean that's on a lower level of feeling like oh gosh i'm different you know in my opinion but it was still just kind of like if i had someone that understood that i needed to self-regulate or do things to make myself comfortable instead of being like what's wrong with you I hate Correct. that word wrong because that's Oh not, my god. I'm like, so tired of it. And I love the culture. The culture that we we, we kind of have it in you too is, is one of that. We just don't say that. We're like, what do you need? Uh-huh. No, just period. How can we help? Because there's so many options. And I, I it's great. I bring in guest speakers too occasionally that can talk about 
uh, can talk about other other aspects of, of what we do and, and how we can how we can kind of participate in society if we're not becoming whatever we're supposed to like play in an orchestra or whatever it is because that's just not why we're studying music. We're studying music to become from artists and musicians. And Classically trained musicians wind up as great producers. Correct. I love her string poetic piece that I that I'm going to be playing this summer in my festival. So I'm 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 super thrilled to be featuring her a little bit on the concert too. Um, and that's so that's happening October 11th. Uh, the, the Office of Inclusion is getting involved. We're, we're really doing a whole like campus-wide sort of for National Coming Out Day, just kind of giving because that's that's National Coming Out Day. I think it's going to be live streamed, so that should be kind of cool. Are you? How many albums do you have? Have you recorded? Because I know um, you have Looking Within, which is solo. New one, yes. That album I did, that was my pandemic album. And that's, I think all of the music is, a you know, it's, it's streaming every it, on all the sites, but I put it on vinyl. Though that album is available on all streaming sites, I originally conceived it for vinyl. Um, so it's, it's, it's a shorter album. It, it was partially because well, people really don't have CD players anymore, first of all. I know. I mean, so that's one thing. They're actually more likely to have, like, a turntable because they're super cheap, and it's kind of, like, in right now to, like, start listening. In fact, Hilary Hahn recorded on, on vinyl. I, I buy them. I like classical yeah. albums. I'm an advocate for it because, first of all, you get to see the whole thing. It's a piece of art. And you get back to that <laughs> tradition of listening to a full album. Yes, I miss and- that. For me, after the pandemic, I mean, I, I went through a, quite a depression during that time, I have to say. And it's like, it was like, it was really tough on me. So for me, I also wrote a whole piece about it in the album. But I also wanted to, it, for me, it felt like I was, a piece of me was performing for them. Like it felt more like a performance with the sound and like being, it felt more in the room. And I think I'm really proud of that album. And I recorded it across the street from me. We cohabitated. We like we were we were in our bubble in our covid bubble right like and yes. so it was just an amazing amazing feat and and i love that i worked with a bunch of rock musicians on it which because of course they're vinyl freaks right like yes. you know you know i was like oh i downloaded some david bowie they look at me like i just created a crime you know like they're like you don't have the album anyway so i was uh, but but you know i was like oh yeah you're right i do have the vinyl i don't know but anyway so 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 but but them to, to watch their process, I mean, because we were so bouncing off each other. It's like, no, that's not good. They're like, yeah, but the sound here and like, oh, the bass isn't working there. And we need to we need to switch these around because it's getting too thin towards the middle of the record. And we need the bass. I was like, wow, it's fantastic. So it was that was a really fun project for me. And prior to that, I had done I had done three albums with the late Paula Fan. You know, she was my dear, dear friend. And we had been collaborating for 20 years she just passed away this april just shockingly um we we did i guess four albums together including the kids album they should all be available on uh, itunes and everywhere um yeah your uh, new one has a a five-star rating on amazon currently so i'm just gonna throw that out there oh my gosh i haven't checked (laughs) goodness yeah so i did four with her and then i did one uh, my my second most recent album is is a different one because my my uh, godmother, who's also who's a wonderful uh, pianist, uh, Joanna Goldstein, she uh, she did a two project, a two CD project featuring women from the time of suffrage, um, and this was uh, this was during the oh I would say six years ago where she started the the process. She did a solo piano album, all of women composers during the time of the early twentieth century, and then we did a chamber music album together 
uh, featuring the same thing. So and it's called They Persisted uh, because oh, she, cool. you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first one was called Nasty Women. And it was it was sort of a, it was sort of a pun because of the Trump statement that he made about Hillary Clinton. So, it, but it was about, it, it wasn't necessarily about Trump or Hillary. It was about like uh -huh. the idea that women had to break out of this idea of like, you know, seen, not heard. Being polite. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, and so, yep. you know, uh, that was, it was a fun project. I'm really proud of that too. So, yeah, and we're doing our summer festival together. So we started a festival in Kentucky together and uh, are promoting uh, women composers and, and all this kind of stuff too. So we're doing a whole show of that as well. That's kind oh. of a fun project. Wow. You have so much going on. <laughs> That's so it. cool. Do you have an assistant? <laughs> no, I don't, which is why I was like, which is why I was like, oh yeah, please send me a link like 15 minutes before we were supposed to meet. I was like, yeah, I can't make it to your studio now. But thanks for, well, thanks for me. <laughs> Where can listeners follow you? I'm just on Instagram. I, I Facebook got a little too, just a little too mean for me sometimes. Same. So yeah. I, I, I just, I, you know, I joined Instagram mainly as a, as a career page. It's just kind of like letting people know what I'm doing and, and uh, you know, a few, a few fun things. It's really a good site to just follow me if you're interested. And I'm, I have to say, I find very funny memes. People like to follow me. So <laughs> I try to, I try to laugh every day. That's my main goal. <laughs> That's German violinist and associate professor of violin at NAU, Stephen Meckel. You can hear him this November at ASU Gamage in the production Ain't Too Proud to Beg, The Life and Times of the Temptations this November 14th through the 19th. You can also follow Stephen on Instagram or find him at his website, stephenmeckel.com. That's Stephen, M-O-E-C-K-E-L.com. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.